tell of all his wondrous works. Tell of all his wonders. No one can fathom. Tell of all his wonders. Remember the wonders he has done. No one can fathom. Wonderful to tell. Wonderful to tell. Wonderful to tell. Hi, friends. This is Wonderful to Tell. I'm Tracy Conrad. Today's date is Tuesday, April the 7th, 2020. And for Christians, this is our Holy Week, the week we focus on the crucifixion of our Savior Jesus Christ. Our week culminates with Easter Sunday when we celebrate Christ's resurrection from the dead. Traditionally, women and children dress in new outfits. Little girls look adorable in their Easter bonnets with all the frills. We decorate Easter eggs, have family gatherings, eat delicious food, and enjoy the beautiful spring weather with fun and games. However, none of us will be gathering this year with our families and friends. We won't be able to personally attend church or give hugs to those we love. In fact, we'll be isolated in our homes practicing social distancing. During this time, some of you may be struggling, feeling acute loneliness with serious questions about your faith, wondering where is God? Well, this story was shared some time ago by Dr. Jason Strampy. He is a hospitalist working on the front lines of this battle against an unseen enemy and in fact is currently caring for COVID-19 patients. I hope that by listening to this very honest story about Dr. Jason's struggles with his faith during a very difficult time in his life, that you might be able to hear God speak into your current struggles and feel the hope and peace that we receive from God alone. Dr. Jason shares about a deep valley he went through where he could not hear God's voice. Here's Jason. All right, thank you all for being here tonight. Yeah, I'm just going to share my testimony how I came to know the Lord and what he's done in my life. I'd have to start by talking about my parents. My dad met my mom in Korea. He was, he was a dentist with the Air Force and found her in Korea. They married. Uh, my mom had just become a believer. Uh, I think there was a revival that had happened in Korea, and so she got saved there. My dad was a nominal believer at the time, but you know, they got married. Um, got pregnant with me, came back here to the U.S., which is where I was, um, where I grew up with my brother, who's one year younger. So my mom was really the main spiritual force in my life. I mean, she was the one who uh, shared Jesus with me. From a very early age, I remember just having an awareness that, you know, I was a sinner and that I needed Jesus. So what happened is that one time basically I went forward at a at a retreat there was an altar call and I was about four years old I don't even remember the moment myself but I went forward and gave my life to Christ and I think that was the moment of salvation and I think there's a reason Jesus says don't hinder the little children from coming to me because I think that a profession of faith like that is as legitimate as any so I, I didn't understand a lot of things about the faith, being a child, obviously, and uh, my mom, she didn't explain a lot of things to me either. Uh, she had a very kind of unique way of parenting, so she was Korean, she was very kind of very strict on certain things, but um, the, the main things uh, she, she got across. And just also so you know about my mom, she was, she was a really fierce evangelist, or is, I should say. She was the first believer in her family, she was one of eight siblings, and after she got saved, she went back to Korea, 
She shared the gospel with her parents. They both got saved. All of her brothers and sisters, half of them at least, got saved as well. They're all going to church now. You know, that's who she is. And she, like I said, didn't, you know, some things didn't explain, but she drilled a few things into us. And one was the need for daily Bible reading and prayer. Another one, just constant repentance from sin. A lot of it was just kind of like, you know, these are things that are wrong, you know, don't do this. And, and then another thing which she drilled into us from an early age was it was really important that who we marry be a Christian for me and my brother. So, but, so that's what I remember growing up. I, you know, I was very diligent as a child and I remember setting my alarm. I had a light that would turn on an alarm clock and it would shine in my face at 6 a.m. And I would read, you know, two chapters of the Bible in the morning, two chapters in the evening from a very young age, you know, read through the Bible many times. You know, as I grew older and, you know, there were definitely times where I was, you know, closer to God and farther from God and periods where, you know, I, I repented of sin and, and things like that. But I think probably around the time that I went to college was, you know, I started to really kind of question my faith and be like, well, is this, is this really true and just started, you know, really seeking. I, I do remember one uh, instance, one of the Christian groups that I was a part of, they were kind of emphasizing, you know, hearing God's voice. I, I remember, you know, just really, you know, praying and trying to, to see what God was saying to me. And just, I, I do remember him saying that he loved me, you know, it was nothing more than that. You know, I, I felt that and it was, it was simple. The thing is like, I, I didn't realize that that would mean so much more to me later. Um, <clears throat> And then I, uh, I remember after that just really, yeah, looking into the, the intellectual side of my faith as well and just realizing that, hey, if, you know, if this is true, if my faith is true, then, you know, it, it really it changes everything. And I remember reading a book, uh, maybe some of you all know, called uh, The Case for Christ by Lee Strobel. You know, he just presents the evidence, you know, a lot of the evidence for, for our faith and you know, he makes a statement in that book that there's more evidence for the fact that Jesus rose from the dead than from for any other event in recorded history and just kind of lays out all the details. And I, I remember, you know, reading that book and at one point just kind of really hitting me and just be like, wow, Jesus was really the Son of God. And if that's true, like I said, I mean, that changes everything. Like what my life is about, what I should be focused on, I'm going to be alive for what, 70, 80 years, and then it's, there's an eternity after this, and all these kinds of things, and that there's really a God in heaven, and I just remember being like, okay, well, this, this is true, and I'm, I'm just going to, you know, try to live as such, and so, again, you know, had some different kinds of periods after that where I was, uh, you know, really just seeking God, and, you know, He was speaking to me, it kind of led me to medical school, and yeah, and I was just, I entered a, a period of time where I was really, yeah, just really seeking Him. I was, you know, memorizing Scripture and evangelizing and, and, and all these kinds of things. But as I, for some reason often happens, it's, you know, during those times, sometimes the, you know, the rug gets pulled out from under you. So, uh, so my mom started getting sick. She had had a, uh, <clears throat> some thyroid cysts or nodules and They'd recommend taking out the thyroid glands. They did a surgery. They accidentally took out her parathyroid glands. And so, you know, she came back to the hospital the next day with, like, severe tetany. Probably minutes away from dying, really. Calcium was so low. I had to get emergent calcium infusions. And that kind of uh, precipitated a few 
things after that. She started having some, you know, episodes of uh, pancreatitis, um, got hospitalized several times for that, and then uh, chronic abdominal pain and kind of started to withdraw from the family. Yeah, and then around that time also she, she started to, and again, she was like, you know, for me, kind of my spiritual source. Like, you know, she would say things, and I, I to this day I think it was God speaking through her um, to me, a lot of the things that she said. and But then during this time she started saying things that were also starting to sound kind of suspicious, like, well, you know, did God really say that? And um, it was just kind of a confusing time. She, at one point, said something about this girl being the one to marry, things like that. And, I mean, it all kind of came crashing down at the same time. I mean, that turned out to not be true. And <clears throat> my mom, uh, she got, you know, at that time, was found to be, frankly, psychotic. And you know, had to be admitted to the hospital. And that started a period of years where she was in and out of psych hospitals, like four years or so. And um, I don't know if you all know what ECT is, electroconvulsive therapy. It's kind of electricity to the brain. But you get that done, you have some memory loss. But she had over 100 treatments of that. And it was just a really terrible time. And you know, I just, during that time, like, <clears throat> had a lot of questions about my faith, you know, about my mom's faith, everything that she taught me. I, it was, it was hard to sort out also then the things that she was saying then that were from God that clearly weren't, and then other things that she had said. And I just remember just praying that she would be healed and just, anyway, I, I remember uh, at one point, kind of in my dorm room in, in medical school, just you know, feeling the enemy's attacks and questioning, like, is, is any of this true? I mean, this is where, you know, you learn about your faith and, and just, you know, sensing that it would actually feel really good to just kind of turn my back on God, you know, in that moment and, you know, renounce my faith. But it, it, in that moment, I felt like God was holding me up. I realized that on my own strength, I, <clears throat> I didn't even have the strength to believe, but I realized that my faith isn't my own, that he's the one holding me up. And anyway, you know, he, so he got me through that. The next five plus years were really hard. And I mean, it was hard for that reason. It was hard also just being single, praying for a wife. You know, there was a lot of things together. And it was, it was a period of time also where I, I was praying and I wasn't getting a lot of answers from God. I don't know if you all have had times like that, but, you know, you pray and you just, you don't hear anything on the other end. And so what happened during that time is that I really started to question God's love for me. And not, I mean, I knew the Bible well, so I, I would never outright say, like, well, you know, God doesn't love me because it's clear, you know, in the Bible. But, you know, just kind of doubts and just really the inability to, to feel that. But, praise God, that's not the end of the story. So years later, he, you know, healed my mom through medicine. Came back like 95%. And she is walking with God now, very involved in her church. And I, I think better for the trial. I mean, honestly, just, you know, just the sense of like sobriety and, you know, dependence on God and kind of a healthy dependence on other people. And I, I mean, it took me years to even just kind of start to open up to the possibility. Like, well, was, I, I was always thinking like, well, maybe it's going to, maybe it's going to be another relapse or something. But 
I mean, she's like five, six years in and still doing well. So in all this time, I was really trying to serve God best I could. There was the pain and kind of the doubts, but I was like still trying to like do what I, th I thought was right. And I got connected with an amazing uh, missions organization in town. So Advancing Native Missions that some of you all are um, part of or aware of. Yeah, they, they just, you know, help indigenous missionaries in other countries uh, to, you know, reach unreached peoples. And we just come alongside and support them in different ways. But so, you know, I kind of started getting involved with this organization, had a lot of opportunities to start doing, you know, mission trips and, you know, evangelism and things like that and really see God start to move. And then also a few years after that, I met my beautiful wife, Amy Carter's Mountain. And uh, God brought us together. And that's a whole nother story. Uh, I, I mean, that'll have to be a whole separate story. Actually, it's really supernatural just how, how God brought us together and, you know, and answered all those, those prayers and, and years of waiting. And I, I remember then afterward, you know, on our honeymoon, there was a, you know, there was a time I was upset about something and Amy, Amy kind of really helped me through this, but I was realizing a lot of this not feeling God's love, despite having gone through difficult things, it's not, it's actually more of a heart of ingratitude than anything else. And she kind of gave like an allegorical story of what parents do for their children and how, you know, at every stage of life, you know, what the, what the parents are doing for the kids and, you know, how they don't realize that. And then the kids grow up and they go to college and then all of a sudden they realize, hey, you know, nobody's doing my laundry and making my, you know, making me meals and giving me free stuff. And it just, it, it hits them like after they leave and it's not there anymore. And I, I for some reason, you know, just as we were talking, like it, it hit me. I was like, wow, look at, you know, all the things that God has done for me you know, all along. The friendships, the way that he's, like, sustained me. He's always given me, you know, what I need. And, you know, even though it's been difficult, the trials, even the trials that he gave are, I think, you know, handcrafted. And it's because he loves me, not, not for any other reason. And so, yeah, that, that really helped me. And I, just understanding, you know, God's love for us. Like, I think that all of us, there's like that higher level of, of grasping that that's, that's really important. And, you know, I'm not all the way there, of course, but, um, but, but getting there. And, you know, I think of that verse in, I think, Romans 8:32 that, you know, he who spared not his own son, how shall he not now with him also freely give us all things? And it just kind of changed my perspective of God that, like, I mean, God gave us his own son. He, he's looking for opportunities to bless us and to show his love for us. And, you know, the limiting thing is really us, you know. There's times when it's not right for us or, or something else, but, you know, he wants to give us all things. And that's the God we serve. Amen. Mm -hmm. Dear friends, thank you for listening to Dr. Jason's story. We're in the midst of a struggle that won't be solved with a simple cliche. In these days ahead, some will be easier and some will frankly be very emotional and difficult. Jesus didn't want us to be naive or unprepared for these times. In fact, he said, I have told you these things so that in me you may have peace. 
In this world, you will have trouble, but take heart, I have overcome the world. He said this in the book of John. If you've never read any of the books in the Bible, I recommend starting with the book of John. To see photos of Jason with his lovely wife, Amy, and to find links to Advancing Native Missions, please visit our website at wonderfultotell.com. Special thanks to Jason and Amy who hosted our recording session and to all of you, our listeners. This episode was produced by Brad and Tracy Conrad with the support of our crew members, Michael, Lindy, Kevin, Katie, Karen, Nancy, Mark, Debbie, Haley, Jeffrey, and John Alfred. Michael Conrad composed our intro, Lindy Conrad came up with our name, and Matt, Jeff, and Justin from Fort Worth High Tech Signs created our logo. May our Heavenly Father bless and keep you held in His arms of grace. And may you all celebrate this Easter worshiping our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Thanks for listening.